Welcome back to the Be Your Own Muse podcast. I'm your host, Katie Skinner Her, or Katie Skinner, or Catherine, or Katie Her, or whatever. I go by many names. Um, Katie Skinner is probably a solid one to choose, but I will respond to anything. I digress. Um, in the Be Your Own Muse podcast, we celebrate our uniqueness. We inspire ourselves. Um, and we're constantly on that journey where we strive to see the magic in everything, right? A a muse does not get triggered or jealous by other people. Um, And if they do, then they're working on flipping that script um, and looking back within themselves, um, if that makes sense. I know it makes sense. Uh, I'm just, sometimes I feel like these concepts are just so big and I'm just one little person and what can I do to really bring that message home? You know what I mean? It's like very humbling that I'm even here talking about this. Um, Like, what does it mean to be a muse, right? To, it's to evoke inspiration, to evoke beauty, and to evoke, like, action. You know, if you see, a, if a painter sees a muse, for example, they want to paint, they want to be around that muse. And so, really, the whole point here is, like, look at the world around you. Look how beautiful it is. Look how much there is to celebrate. Look how many people out there are doing amazing, interesting things that just make you feel good, or maybe even deep down sort of triggered, like, jealous or like there's scarcity, like there's not enough for you guys to both have it. And then to consistently be doing the work to bring that back home and um, face it within ourselves. I really need to record a new intro because I just need, I just need that to be on repeat every time somebody listens to this podcast. (laughs) Um, Okay. So today's episode is, is different. It's not, I'm not going to be talking about this. You probably already can tell by the title of it. Um, This is my survival guide for those who are raised religious and are struggling with the concept of spirituality. Um, Maybe they still feel a little traumatized, a little, um, what's the word contained. Um, And I want to share my story because Um, I've always felt like I've needed to explain myself a little bit on how I got into quote unquote this stuff. Um, and I do know it's not, it's absolutely not lost on me that it does trigger some people. It does confuse some people. It does make some people angry, um, that I have stepped into my spirituality and I'm at that point in my life where I, I'm sorry, like, I just can't, I can't not, I can't stop. Um, this is just like now such an integral part of my being. It feels so deep within me. Um, whereas religion like the ritualistic, the religion always just kind of felt like this hat I had to wear. Like you just, you know, it's Sunday morning, you wake up, you put on this hat, you like fake this smile, you fake this persona. Um, and now through all the trials and tribulations of my life, things have come, things have gone, you know, phases end, you start new phases, you, you try on these different identities. And I, as a manifesting generator or Sagittarius, however you want to label (laughs) me, anybody who's met me has known, like, I'm not afraid to go through phases. I'm not afraid to try different hairstyles. But the one thing that has stayed very consistently for me for the past five years, I want to say, I mean, I'm going to get into this, but really my whole life has been my spirituality, Um, my belief in something bigger than me, my belief in my own power, like, your, the way that I see it is like your belly, (laughs) your heart space is a cauldron and you're just like putting things in it to, to create what you want. Um, and the concept of manifestation is absolutely real. Um, I think I'll record another episode. I'm just getting so many ideas lately. This is really exciting, but I probably want to record another episode about like my personal relationship with manifestation. What's like, what, what out there is like bunk, what's true, what's not true, what's worked for me, what hasn't worked for me. Um, I'll, I'll get on that, but 
Um, so this episode is for you. Absolutely. If you were raised religious and you are now getting into spirituality or you're a little curious, or maybe you even find like spirituality a little cringy, um, and you identify as an atheist or agnostic, but you're still curious because why would you be listening to this right now? <laughs> maybe somebody sent it to you and you're like, okay, a loved one sent this to me. Maybe I need to listen to it. Um, so I'll get into my little history first. But first, first, double first, before the first, um, I just want to kind of mention a little disclaimer. If this podcast triggers you in any way or makes you realize, oh, man, I, I got to pause and I got to like do some deeper work um, before I proceed, which I'm very, very, very familiar with that feeling. I totally, totally advocate for that therapy, like see a therapist, hire a coach, um, the free resources out there, like journaling, meditation, if you're on YouTube, looking at yoga videos, like whatever it takes, like that's nothing to sneeze at, right? Like that is, that is not something to, to, I mean, there's a lot to be said about those free resources out there. And I remember specifically in 2017 when I didn't have health insurance, um, but I had a lot of access to the internet. I had a smartphone, I had a laptop, man, I was so dependent on those free resources and I was just like milking them for everything they got. I was watching positive people's live streams and I was taking notes and I was doing yoga and I was like crying a lot. <laughs> and then in 2018, I started to get therapy. Um, and then I was medicated for a little bit. Um, and now currently I'm not on absolutely any medications except for a ton of prenatal vitamins. Um, so I also want to say get medication if you need it. I am not about that stigma of medication that exists with some people apparently um, because some people really need it to even begin to think about getting out of their foggy head space. If you have experienced mental illness, depression, even if it's a seasonal depression and or you know somebody who has and you are living in that space where you can't even conceive of getting out of bed. Um, maybe even listening to a podcast like this is a bit of a stretch for you. Like you're just kind of warming up your, your neurons to begin thinking in a different way when it's so hard. And I totally have been there and I'm prone to being there. Um, and there are so many different formats of healing. Like I've used hypnosis, I've used EFT tapping, yoga, all the things, but you can't even begin to conceive of all these different things that I just said, all these different buzzwords that I just said, if you, if, if you feel like you need medication. So, um, if you want my advice on it, if you consent to what I'm about to say on the matter, um, I would say when it comes to medication, be cautious of letting it completely own or control you. Um, because I feel that way about absolutely everything. I, I live my life so that I am never completely dependent on anything. If I ever find myself dependent on something to like get through the day, coffee, alcohol, um, my husband to text me back, like those little things. Um, I question that deeply. My, one of my biggest values is sovereignty. Um, and never feeling like I need something to get there. Um, but we all need help at some time in your life. Um, so, I've experienced personally and seen miracles of people getting off of medication over time. So I'm just never going to advocate for anything that like really leaves you completely disempowered. But, 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 but if you are feeling empowered by it and it is helping you, absolutely. Again, I'm not a doctor and that's only if you consent to receiving my advice on that matter. Um, but I absolutely live in the gray area when it comes to a lot of these kinds of things. I'm not super for or against. I'm super for anything that just gets you going and just gets you drinking water and gets you checking your mail and gets you calling your friends and just living your life, doing your job without the worry 
Okay, so back to the point. <clears throat> so my story when it comes to religion, I was raised Mormon, um, also known as a Latter-day Saint, LDS. Um, so, so for those of you who may may not be familiar, um, Mormonism is... I probably should have done a little more research on this beforehand. Um, I've just, I just like such a, it's just like so there in my mind that I don't even consider sometimes that other people don't know about it because it's always been there for me from like day one. Um, but it is considered to be one of the most socially constricting, um, religions. People ask me all the time if it's a cult. Um, I don't think so. I mean, um, I mean, any, anything can be a little culty sometimes, but it's not like officially a cult. I don't really know how to answer this question. I'm going to move on. <laughs> um, so the, the traditional Mormon practice, um, involves, I don't know about now. I've heard that this has changed. Um, but every week, uh, you'd go to church for three hours. Um, so there would be a sacrament meeting where everybody would get together for the whole church, kind of like a mass or a t- typical congregation that you've seen in any church, get together for an hour. Um, and then you get together by age group. Um, so like the younger men and women would get together, the older men and women, and then the children would kind of separate. And then the third hour would be split by the, the, the you know, men and women. Um, so there'd be young women's, young men's, um, then there'd be older men, older women, and then it kind of separate, um, into those groups. Um, and then, um, I promise I'm not gonna spend too much time on this, but for those of you who are interested, um, and curious, um, Mormonism is like a around the clock thing. Like it is absolutely not a religion where you can, um, just go for once, once, like once a week and, and like, for an hour and just kind of move on. Um, I know a lot of people who go to church still, a lot of older people, and that's kind of how it is for them. Like they go for, for a week, they volunteer for things if they want. Um, but then that's it. They go for an hour and they move on. Um, and they don't really like live this lifestyle outside of it. Mormonism is absolutely not like that. They are very big on like, (laughs) I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. so I don't come off as completely biased, but it's a little hard. Um, they're very pushy. Um, so there's a seminary that's at six in the morning for teenagers before high school. Um, you would attend something called seminary, which is like an hour long Bible study at six in the morning. The idea behind it was that they wanted you to start off your morning in with like healthy habits, like reading the scriptures with your, your classmates, which I get. Um, but I'm just going to leave that there. (laughs) Um, Wednesday nights was young men's or young women. So like with young women's, for example, um, we would uh, get together and basically like talk about how to be a wife and like how to, I don't really know. Cause I feel like I, I don't know. I didn't like really go a lot. I, I begged my dad if I could skip um, and I also had a lot of homework. So I don't know. Anyway. Um, so there's that. And then you typically go on a mission, which sounds like, you know, a mission trip. Um, men when they're 19, women when they're 21, they go on a mission Um, and, uh, there's just a, like, there's a lot, there's a lot. And like the big thing about Mormon culture is that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure involved in it. Like all these things sound nice. Like I mentioned, if you're willing to do them, like, Hey, maybe you want to go on a mission. Maybe you want to go to seminary, but they just really included a lot of pressure. Um, so like they would call you if you didn't show up and like, they would show up at your door and like, man, I got text messages like all the time about, um, Oh, good Lord. Like I was just always getting texts and stuff like that from (laughs) leaders being like, where were you? And like, make sure you can come. And if I'm like, Oh, I have too much homework. They're like, well, why don't you do your homework beforehand? And it was just like kind of a mess. Um, 
So anyway, um, that's like a huge part of the Mormon culture. Anybody who's ever been Mormon or was raised Mormon, I believe, can absolutely attest to just how how heavy the culture is on pressure. Um, like th- what you hear about Mormons or Jehovah Witnesses, like showing up at your door and not taking no for an answer. Like that is absolutely the case. So I had to grow up being a really good liar. <laughs> um, around the age 12 or so, um, I started to kind of feel a lot of doubt um, for the content that was being taught in the church or like the way that they were going about it. I never loved it as a kid. Um, like I just kind of went because that's what I knew to do. But like I said, around the age 12, um, I don't know. I, I started to feel like something was off. I don't know how else to explain it other than that, but I just started to feel like, um, you know, anybody who's ever questioned religion will start to have these doubts of like, um, because, okay. So at this point, when you're 12 years old, like the, the youth leaders in the Mormon church are really, 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 um, pumping up, like, what is a sin? So, Cause you're 12 and you're like starting to get curious about the world around you. And like, you think you know everything. And like, maybe you start getting interested in like sexuality and exploring and stuff like that. And like maybe disobeying your parents, which is totally normal, I would say. Um, so the church like really did a lot. Okay. I got cut off. Um, my dog started barking at something. Um, where was I? Okay. So essentially all that I was saying was, um, I felt like they kind of doubled down on the, the gruesome stuff on the teenagers because they really wanted to scare them. Um, I, I mean, it felt really bad, but like, I, I knew that at the end of the day, when I turned 18 years old, I couldn't wait to leave. Um, I have a lot of guilt in saying that, but like, I also know that's pretty normal for teenagers to be like, well, I can't wait till I turn 18 so that I can do this different thing. But this just felt like really deep and visceral and like, it affected my spirit. Ugh, it was just hard. Um, but I remembered hearing from Sunday school um, the teachers would say that people who left the church would like had committed a sin and would no longer enter the kingdom of God. Like they started saying things like, if you're not Mormon, you're not getting into heaven. Um, my parents never said anything like this. Well, that's not entirely true. Uh, but I, 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 I I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. But <laughs> one time my mom said something that kind of traumatized me. Um, but it was just like, you couldn't do, you know, you couldn't do any right like I just something that felt so bad like how could this be right um which one of the reasons now I'm like such an advocate I flipped that so much to say like the things that are right are the things that feel good and not in just like the in the moment pleasurable kind of good but like they really just feel like from a deep soul space they feel like the right decision and man there have been plenty of times where people have told me that something was wrong for me but it really really felt right um, from like a soul place. And I ended up being right. My intuition was taking me down a different path that everyone else wasn't on because why would you listen, take advice from somebody whose life you don't want to replicate anyway? Um, so yeah, I remember hearing that Mormonism was the only right church and that all the others were ignorant when it came to how to actually enter heaven. So naturally I started living this double life. Um, I snuck around a lot. I got like um, my belly button pierced when I was 14. That's a long story. Um, if you're wondering how I got my belly button pierced when I was 14 without my parents' permission, um, I lived in Colombia where they don't ID as strictly as they do in the U.S. People aren't as um, excited about suing each other in, in other countries as they are in the U.S. So um, people might be a little bit more lenient with the rules. Um, I mean, they did have rules, but like, I don't know. They were just like kind of like suggestions. 
Um, so yeah. Okay. So one big rule that I didn't, I couldn't deal with was, um, that they had like modesty rules. So, uh, women only can't wear, um, tank tops or short shorts or bikinis or anything that reveals the skin beyond like anything above the knee or the shoulders. Um, but I was just like always hot. Like I was just always hot growing up. Like, first of all, I grew up in Columbia for a little while. I'm sorry, not Columbia. I did grow up in Columbia, but that's not what I'm trying to say. I grew up in Las Vegas for a little while. Um, and it's hot. And like, I was kind of chubby growing up and like, man, I just didn't want to have sweat stains at school all the time. Like, so I started packing clothes to school so I could change into after seminary. Remember I said earlier that I would be at seminary at 6 a.m. Um, and ugh, one thing I, ugh, I hate, hate, hate is the feeling of a one piece swimsuit. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but to me, the feeling of one piece swimsuit, like something wet and clinging to my stomach is like, <laughs> like even before I was fully confident in my body and the way that it looked, I started wearing, um, two pieces because I just like craved that freedom. Like I just felt so constricted my whole life. Um, and I did so much in secret. It just felt like I was living a completely double life, even though sometimes I would look at my life and be like, you know, I'm not doing anything bad. Like I'm not hurting other people. Um, I mean, I feel like I hurt my parents a little bit, but I was like, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm not hurting other people. Like I'm being nice. I'm making friends. Like I'm having a good time. I'm not like doing drugs or anything like that. Or like I'm getting good grades. I just want to like wear shorts to school and like, ugh, like I just, I, one thing that has always been hard for me <laughs> is when somebody tells you like, don't even bother going over there. Like, don't look at that. Don't just like stay here, like stay in Mormonism and don't even bother looking at others. Like, I'm just so curious. And I always want to see both sides of the same coin. I love living in that gray zone. Like I love, um, kind of balancing and like taking both. Um, I don't like living in any type of extreme. Um, but to like cut off access for me to like learn about other religions or I just feel like I never got that choice. It was just so constraining and just spiritually I felt dead. I felt like I was decaying because I know now what it feels like to be spiritually vibrant and like spiritually alive. But man, at that time I felt the opposite and I was just still so young. Um, so what ended up happening to me was, um, well, long story short, um, none of my siblings are Mormon anymore, except for one. Um, I have seven siblings, seven, six siblings. I'm sorry. I'm seven. So there's seven children, six siblings. Um, it's also just like another stereotype that Mormons love to have lots of kids. Um, so that's kind of real, <laughs> um, because they, they do teach in Mormon church that like, um, if you are living justly and you're living wholesomely and you're living, um, you know, a good life, like it's your duty to bring as many souls in as possible. And that's like, um, um, if that makes sense. So my parents had seven children. We're all, we're all love each other. We get along very well. Really lucked out on that. Like no ties were really severed in this world, but it took some work. Absolutely. And this is like how I learned to do inner work and work with communication and see therapists because I really felt like we needed that communication. Um, so um, all of us, I feel like we're just gifted with such strong intuitions. And so none of us remained Mormon. <laughs> um, also my parents, I mean, outside of church, like always taught us, like when it came to school or politics or like 
culture, they always taught us to like have our own minds and like always think for ourselves. Um, so like I would come home from school and I would tell my dad what I learned and he would always be like, oh, you know, he would kind of like give me the opposite side of that. I can't think of any examples. Um, oh, I remember one example from church was like, I went to young women's, you know, I said earlier that they teach you how to be, um, a wife. Like they taught you how to be like a good woman, quote unquote, how to be a wife. And I remember them teaching you like some, like some, some woman taught us something along the lines of like how to sew and cook, because you really want to know, like in her words, you really want to know how to do these things. Um, so that the man can focus on his career. And so like when he has problems, he comes to you and how it's like an honor to do this. And like, um, you shouldn't have to feel like you need to get a career and like getting a career can like prevent you from being a good parent, a good mom, a good wife, like whatever. Um, and so I came home from that and I told my parents, like, this is what I learned today. And my dad was like, well, you know that that's not true. Right. Um, (laughs) And, um, he would just kind of like say like, well, if you really want a career, like you can have one and, um, you know, you're going to college for this. And so if you, you know, it depends on like whatever you and your spouse think is right. And, um, you know, I, they just always taught me to question those things. And I don't know specifically what the Mormon stance on evolution is. Um, but I remember having, like, they don't have a stance, but I remember, um, I'm sure you could look it up somewhere. I'm sure somebody has said something like some higher up has said something like some prophet or whatever. Um, but I do remember going to a class one week at church and they had a substitute teacher who taught us that evolution wasn't real, that like the Bible says God made the earth in seven days and that is the truth. And like, we should never, we should always learn to not question God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I came home and I told my dad that, and he was like, well, you know, the Bible, like shouldn't be interpreted so literally. And, you know, he kind of gave me that like scientific background and discussion, which was really fascinating. I mean, my dad literally told me, don't take the Bible so literally. So I'm like, Hmm. And of course I took that and ran with it. And so, um, the, the, um, doctrine and covenants, is it the doctrine and covenants? The, like in the Book of Mormon, um, there is, um, it says in the, it says in the, yeah, the Doctrine and Covenants in the Book of Mormon. So this is not in the Bible. This is in the Book of Mormon. There's a chapter about health and like how to best heal yourself and how to be healthy. And so it says like, you know, um, eat meat minimally, which I believe in, like eat meat, but minimally, um, and enjoy. It says all the herbs and plants of the earth. It says eat them all. And then it also says, um, something about, no hard or hot drink, which people have now modernly interpreted as meaning no alcohol or tea, and I'm sure, or coffee. And I'm sure that you've heard people talk about um, how Mormons can't have coffee or caffeine or tea or alcohol. My parents always told me that it meant no tea, coffee, or alcohol. Um, they didn't say anything to me about caffeine. I mean, my parents drink a ton of caffeine, so. I don't know why they can't have coffee, but they can have Red Bull. So whatever. Um, <laughs> that was just like another whole hole that I like poked in the, the veil that was placed before me. Um, so I remember reading that and being like, well, why would we take this literally then? Like the whole art, the whole doctrine and covenant is about um, health and like how to be healthy. So, I mean, coffee has antioxidants in it. And just like, man, I started to question everything. And it just like all fell apart for me to the point that going to church was not enjoyable to me anymore. Um, And I started meeting and reading about other people of other spiritualities and religions who were just like so happy. Um, And I started learning about Mormons who would go to like these indigenous tribes to teach them about Mormonism. And I'm like, I feel like these people have these really old native practices that I now really, really respect and know a lot more about now. Um, 
at the age of 27 than I did back then, um, that, like, why would you try to convert somebody out of their, like, native practice to Mormonism, which has only existed for, oh, I don't know, it's younger. It's a younger religion, though. It's not thousands of years old. It's maybe a couple hundred years old. It's definitely one of the newer religions. Um, so, like I said, I just started poking holes in all of it, and um, I really needed time to I moved out of I moved out to college and my parents really pressured me to go to BYU, which is Brigham Young University, which is the Mormon University in um it's in Utah and Idaho. And they also have a location in Hawaii, fun fact. Um, but they really pressured me a lot and I was just like, no, I don't want to go there. Like it was just like this constant awkward conversation of like, no, I don't want to go there. Um, no, I don't I don't wanna do that. Like Ugh, it was just so hard. But then I moved out, um, and I tell that story a little bit in my episode with Evan, where Evan and I kind of talked about how we met. I talked about how I, like, really needed to move out of my parents' house, and how I just, like, insisted on moving out. And they didn't understand. They're like, you should save up for longer. You should stay here and save money. You should do that. Like, do the logical thing. But I just, like, knew in my gut that I needed to get out. And so I moved without a job, without any money, but I just, like, made it work. Um... So anyway, yeah, so over time, my parents would visit me or I would visit them. We would have phone conversations and they were always, most of the time, they were pretty awkward because my parents were kind of getting the idea that I wasn't going to church anymore. Um, I, like, they just learned little by little about me that I, that was just uncomfortable. Um, like, that I just obviously wasn't living the Mormon lifestyle anymore. Like, I think it became clear that I started drinking when I was in college, um, and just oh, so many awkward moments of my parents basically learning that I'm not Mormon. Um, I eventually got a tattoo and they were like really mad for like a minute. <laughs> uh, but then they, they decided, I think they realized that, and they've shared this with me since, that it's more important to them to have a positive relationship with their daughter that like, so that I keep, keep a relationship with them rather than just like being stuck in their ways and um, kind of in their, in their ego, like thinking that this is how I have to be. Um, so we all love each other. We're all great. My parents still go to church. It sounds like they still do all the things. Um, none of us though do though, except for one, my sisters and that's cool. She married a Mormon man. Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, so now I think I like over time, I started to recover the pieces of myself that I lost when I just like completely rejected Mormonism. And I'm going to get into some tips for you. If you maybe resonate with my story a little bit, um, and you're feeling a little bit lost, um, and like, you don't know what to do. Um, but I just want to say that it is possible to recover those pieces of yourself that you may have lost. Um, and, and, and keep going and keep moving. Um, so obviously now I'm into spirituality and I do have like a, a spiritual practice, um, and spiritual beliefs, but they do feel very separate. It's like a whole new thing. It's like, it's like when you're in a new relationship and you're, it's, it's like where you're not even comparing this person to your ex-boyfriend anymore. Like you're just so respecting the two for what they roles they played for you. Like, it's kind of like that. It's like this healthy detachment from what it used to be. And it requires a lot of inner work. Um, it requires a lot of revisiting triggers and traumas. Um, I will actually mention that there was a period of time, a significant period of time between Mormonism and spirituality where I was very, very atheist. Like I wholeheartedly only believed in science. 
Um, I did not, this is really funny. I can like laugh about this now. I did not believe that there was any connection between the mind and the body. I thought the mind was just chemicals in the brain and the body was the body. Um, and now I think that it's just like, so the not, not it at all. Um, I think the mind, body, and the spirit are all one. And, um, I'll get into that later. Um, but I was very, very atheist. I didn't believe in anything. I didn't believe that anything existed. I believe in science and the big bang. And like now what I believe now is that science and spirituality are just two sides of the same coin. Um, I remember going to college and having a very scientific approach, um, to my degree, which is psychology. The college I went to, um, had a very, very scientific approach to, to psychology. Some people have more of a humanitarian, artistic, uh, communications, what have you, uh, perspective on psychology. Mine was very scientific. So I was taking biology. I was taking statistics. I was taking research methods, all those things. Um, and so I was learning all those things in college. And then I started going to like yoga teacher training and I started learning about NLP and hypnosis. And I started learning about like life coaching and just all different types of things, healing trauma, improving your relationships. And I realized that like, we're talking about the same thing. We're just calling it different things. Like we're just giving it different like, I just love it when um, science and spirituality kiss. Like, you just, they're just like little friends, you know? I, like, they're obviously in unison. And I sort of feel sorry for anybody who, this is condescending, but I gotta say it. Like, I just feel a little sorry for anybody who really only sees them as, like, one or the other. Like, black or white. Because um, I have met people who are really into science and just, like, completely poo-poo on anything that they can't see. Um, personally, I think it's just a big mistake to still at this point, still like not believe in something unless you see it and it smacks you upside the face. Like, cause there's just so much out there that you cannot see. Um, and if you believe in it, you'll start to build up the ability to see. And that's like where psychics come in and people who can see auras and like people who can feel things. Like I will feel a lump in my throat when something is on its way or I will feel a specific emotion. So I might not be able to physically see things. Um, but I definitely, oof, I definitely can feel them and I acknowledge them. And that's kind of seeing in a way. Um, there's all the people who are just like really into spirituality and they just do not listen to science. There's no, um, understanding or respect for the scientific method and just like, no, no. Like, I think it's like an understanding of science, like basic human biology is like what really grounds us is really what I believe. Um, so whoever you are, whatever you do, I think just having a basic understanding the basics of both sides and a basic respect for both sides, you could be leaning more on one side or the other, but that's my personal belief if you're asking. Um, so tip number one, if you resonate with this, if you are looking to rebuild your life outside of religion, if you're looking to find community, looking for your sense of self after feeling like it was completely and utterly destroyed, um, this is for you. I actually, unfortunately do see a lot of people who are afraid of this kind of stuff that I talk about spirituality because their last association with this kind of stuff was church. Um, for their parents forcing them to go to church, their parents forcing them to address, and then they have to take pictures for granny and like, ugh, like these, these photos, these paintings of Jesus bleeding on the cross and like all the dogma and all the fear. And like, um, there is so much more beyond that. And I also very firmly believe that people who are religious are not all like this. Now I'm able to, cause I've like really healed the trauma and just like kind of cleared that out of my system. Um, I no longer like vibrate on that frequency anymore. I'm not constantly re seeing my trauma, which is kind of what tends to happen. Um, now I'm able to meet more people who 
do attend church, who had positive experiences with it, and are just, like, really eager to get people to see it in a different way. Um, and they're just, like, really excited to provide an inclusive experience. And so I'm seeing more and more of that now, and I really, really love it. Um, Evan and I talk about taking our kids to church um, just so that they can have that community experience. Like, just so that they can have, a co- like, a community. And, like, I know Evan grew up like that, and it really, really changed his life. Um, and I had a very different experience. It felt very isolating to me. So, anyway. Okay, so tip number one. No matter who you are or what happened or didn't happen, your subconscious mind likely registered as this, this, this event, your childhood, whatever, as traumatic, as trauma. And I say this to kind of just, like, give you the truth and, and it sort of can set you free. Um, because a lot of people might feel like, oh, I don't really care, or like, I don't really think about it anymore, or whatever. But it's kind of like, okay, so think of it like this. Like, let's say that um, when you were a kid, you broke your elbow. You broke your ankle. Let's just say you broke your ankle um, because you were playing really hard, or you were just like playing every, like you had bad form. You played softball every day as a kid, and you had poor form. Okay, let's say that. And so over time, your ankle just like, hurt all the time and you didn't really do anything about it your just ankle was in pain it was swollen and so you eventually stop playing softball because you're like it just hurts too much to play softball but then you also find that it hurts to do so many other things as well um it hurts to uh walk it hurts to climb mountains it hurts to climb stairs uh sorry stairs it hurts to go to the gym so you just like kind of don't do any of those things anymore um and you just like are now haven't done anything about it. And you now just identify as a person with a hurt ankle when in reality you can heal that. There's so much that you can do. I mean, in that field specifically, like I've seen miracles of people who've lived in pain for a long time, who've sought healing in that way. There's body work, there's chiropractic practors, there's physical therapy, just to kind of go with the analogy. Um, your subconscious mind is like the blueprint for how you think, feel, and act. It filters out anything that is deemed insignificant and holds on to something that is significant. So um, how is something made significant? Um, so like your exper- your negative experience with church and religion and spirituality and God, and like God doesn't care about you. God, like God just doesn't listen and God makes, creates suffering. And like, there is no higher power and we're all alone, you know, just like those are beliefs that may have been become significant through repetition and motion and intensity. So if your childhood upbringing was, was repetitive, emotional and intense, um, as many religions are many, many of those with religious childhoods are, um, you may be still be dealing with the repercussions of that. And that's totally okay. So back to my analogy about, um, playing softball every day and just like always kind of wearing it down. Like it could be like you slipped and just like broke your ankle, but it could also be like just a gradual wearing down. That's actually what happened to my knee. Fun fact. Um, I took up spinning, like indoor spinning when I was in DC and I had poor form and my bike setting wasn't at the correct setting. So like after a few months, my knee did some serious damage where I can still feel it now if I, ha- if I do squats. And that is very similar. Like your subconscious mind may have received damage that comes up in certain environments. And so you, what do you do? You just avoid those environments and anything that makes you think of that environment. And if we're not careful, that pain can really take over our lives and prevent you from seeking community at all. Um, I actually do, I have met somebody in my life who had such religious trauma that she was afraid of being around groups of people, period. She's afraid of singing, like, cause singing is associated with like choir and just like, whoo, like, 
it really, really did a number on her to the point where she was just like not have doing anything anymore. Um, so the first step is, is acknowledging that trauma. Um, and this is going to go back to what I'm saying about if you're listening to this and thinking, whoa, okay, I need to pause. I need to cry. I need to go to therapy. I need to unpack because I kind of just like unpacked my story on you a little bit. Um, I'm very careful not to like unload my trauma on you, but to kind of tell it in this like informed, detached way. Cause I have already done the work of crying. I've cried a lot. <laughs> um, the point is that if you're, if you, if you do at any point in your journey, this could be considered like my second tip. <laughs> um, I highly advocate for that. Um, sometimes the world can feel like it's going a little too fast. Like I'm sure that you were dealing with your own problems and then me telling you about this might've brought something else up for you. Um, and like healing and getting over it or facing your demons feels kind of like something else on our to-do list. Um, and yeah, I mean, it is, <laughs> um, but I want to say like, you are worthy of rest. You're worthy of rejuvenation. Um, and if you at any point ever feel like you really need to pause, um, and like do nothing. I really think that as like one of the most powerful healing mechanisms is like do nothing. Um, so my next tip is um, once knowing this and dealing with, with this, um, you may need to reinvent yourself or else I also get to say you get to reinvent yourself. Um, so lean your energy into now building the life you want rather than running away from discomfort. Um, so you will heal so much by getting back into, um, the things that you, you enjoyed about church. Um, so for me, that's spirituality, like getting back into, I really loved developing a personal relationship with God. I loved like feeling like I could just have like a little prayer in my heart. Um, whatever you call it, it doesn't even have to be God anymore. Like I, I've used the phrase like God, angels, um, universe, energies of the highest good, I say all those things. It doesn't really matter. Um, and according to like religious studies and like religious resources that I've looked up, I, I like the, there's so many commonalities in religion that like, it's not like, I know. Okay. I know that a lot of religion is spun to sound like you, you know, you're cheating on God if you're doing something else, right? Like, thou shalt not put any other gods before me. And I struggled with that myself a lot. Um, so if you're struggling with getting back into spirituality, just know, like, look into the commonalities of how many... Every religion says something in their book about manifestation. Meaning, like, if you, if you um, have thoughts of it, it will appear. Or if you expect it, if you hope for it, if you pray for it, like, it can happen. Um, there's just, like, so much so much content out there that is just so similar. Um, so you having a relationship with the higher power. Um, and of course I know I talk about deities and you'll find people who talk about witchcraft and there's like so many little directions you can go in, but it's like, if you can warm yourself up to there being a higher power, like a loving parent that wants what's best for you. Um, what I've said before to clients is like, even if you feel like it's just completely made up and you're just making it up, it still rewires your brain for positive, loving relationships. Um, that is one thing I can absolutely attest to. It's like just believing in a higher power, whether it's like this God that will smite you or whether it's like a deity or like a different deity or whether it's the universe or whether it's like your higher self or whatever. Like I, I do believe in practicing having that positive relationship with something that knows more than you, like a parent like a parent that knows the bigger plan 
who doesn't want you to do something that's going to hurt you, even if you really, really want that in the moment and just like really guides you. So that, that really just will rewire your brain. And you don't have to tell other people that you're doing it. It's like, you're ashamed. Um, but it, that is like something I absolutely cannot advocate for enough. Um, so you may be feeling like a little self-conscious. Can I really be doing this? Can I get away with this? Uh, can I be like, you know, praying to a God, but it's not like the Mormon God or <laughs> whatever. And to me, I just had to really personally trust that like the, the energies of the highest good, God, angels, etc., really probably didn't care <laughs> if I was Mormon. Um, they really like, honestly, like a confirmation that I receive a lot in my prayers is when I say like, should I do this or this? Should I like wear this or that? Like the answer that I keep getting is like the God that I pray to, I mean like the universe, whatever is like, they don't care. They don't care. Like you should, apples and oranges. I don't care. Like this or that. Who cares? Cats and dogs. Whatever. Like whatever makes you feel most lit up. And like there's something to be said about rituals and routines and community. But like if it's not lighting you up, like why would you do it? You know? Um, so church may have offered you things that you loved as a kid. So for me, it was choir and public speaking. Um, because love singing. Love that. Still do. Um, love Mormonism gave a lot of opportunities for public speaking because... Um, they, every, the first Sunday of every month, you were able to give a testimony. Um, like it was just like kind of open mic situation. Um, you were, um, like since they broke down into like, like I said, um, by age and then by man or woman, um, they would, um, you would get a lot of opportunity to like public speak. And that was like a common assignment that the leader of the church would give you. So I love public speaking. I love talking in front of a large audience. I loved writing speeches. I loved, um, like the open mic aspect of it. Like I loved improv. Like I loved, I love that. Um, it allowed me to step into a new version of myself that like that, that brought like, what am I saying? It allowed me to step into my own as a new version of myself that kind of up leveled me completely. Um, the scary part is feeling like you, one little itty bitty tiny person is up against the rest of the world. So, um, maybe in church you had like this, this community, this, um, this group of people who, who were there for you. Maybe you had friends, you had neighbors or whatever. Um, for me, church was always this like very solitary, isolating experience anyway. Um, so I never really felt that, but just know like, you're not alone. You're, you really aren't. Um, being alone is, is absolutely a fallacy. <laughs> um, and I, I know it can feel that way. I really know how tricky the brain is in, in convincing us that we are alone. Um, our egos just want to be right. Our egos just want to be like, <laughs> um, they just want to like continue, carry on the same patterns that we already know. Um, so you kind of assuring yourself that you're alone might make you feel like it's, it's safe. It's, it's known. Um, the last tip I have is that you may need to consider boundaries with family members, uh, considering on what you decide to do and what your family decides to do, or like, what's the energy there? Like, what's the vibe there? Personally, personally, I mean, this is personal. I don't advocate for cutting people off. Um, I think that that's kind of like overly given advice that can end up being damaging to communities in the long term. Unless, right, you know, back again uh, to this this gray area, you deep down in your intuition feel like it's the right thing to do, at least temporarily. Like it could, depending on the nature of your relationship, it can be temporary to kind of like just take a break from people or um, 
like when I move away, I just like give myself a chance to miss somebody or um, whatever, whatever is going on there. Um, I've had friends and coaches and total randoms saying that I should cut somebody off. Like, oh, you should cut your sister off. You should, if you don't want to be Mormon, you should cut your parents off, like block their number or whatever. When deep down, I thought that the relationship could be salvaged. Um, and I'm so grateful that I went with my intuition on that because I do feel like I've salvaged these relationships that were really, really hard for me at one point. And now I can say like, there's not really anybody super close to me that I've just like cut off and I just like regret. Like I, I feel like I've salvaged the relationships I've wanted to salvage. And then I've moved on from the ones that needed to be moved on from. Um, and I, I really like trust your intuition on that. Um, if you feel like you need more clarity on that, like seriously get pen to paper and just like start writing out your feelings on this. Um, and if you feel alone, just like remember you're not, I like to put my hand on my heart when I write because it just makes me feel like I'm not alone and that I still have a purpose and like somebody out there is listening and like this will, this, like this too shall pass, you know, kind of vibe. Like that's, that's um, how I feel a lot. So practice, I mean, practice that feeling. Um, it can be new. So on the other hand of all this, um, I've had clients who told me that family members were, telling them things like, oh, he's your family. You should forgive him when something like atrocious happened or they're just like not being respectful of you and like your new life. And maybe you're happier now with your new lifestyle or your new belief system. And people are just like giving you shit about it. Um, I'm just really advocating for your peace here. I truly feel like the world would be a better place if we all just purged the poison um, and felt more like ourselves. So that is the end of my tips. Um, if you are looking for more, it really depends on where you're at personally. Um, one blog that can be a really good start for you if you want to just kind of read around and think about it if you're really feeling like you need to recover from religion. Um, I recommend recommend the website recoveringfromreligion.org. Um, they have one-on-one -on -one religious trauma counseling if you want to pay for that. Um, they also just have resources um, that they... Like they have a blog and they have so many links and just like things to look around just to kind of um, liberate your mind um, from maybe some of the guilt. Um, I think that really, really helps. When it comes to spirituality and um, diving into spirituality, I want to say go at your own pace and find, feel, feel out that balance between um, feeling horrendously guilty for something um, and like wanting to explore let me put it this way. Okay. So if you're experiencing, okay. So if you're, if you're, if you're looking for spirituality, um, you might feel like everything's like a little cringy, a little corny because you still need to recover. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like some people are a little cringy and corny out there, but really go with your intuition because I have found in my spiritual practice, the reason this is like the reason I made this podcast is because there's so many spiritual people out there, like gurus and teachers and whatnot who really just like want you to worship them. It feels like they uh, quit religion so that other people, like, like start, they could start like their own cult or something. And just like, you'll maybe feel that um, when like, you'll feel that like dogma that you might already be primed to pay, pay attention for. Um, there's so many people out there who've like always wanted a community, always wanted to belong. Um, and uh, you know, you might already have that, that like skepticism, which I think can be really healthy. So long as you're not, letting it rule you and um, take over your, your thoughts. So I really want to challenge you to, to 
try something like maybe get a tarot reading or look at tarot readings on YouTube or try yoga. Um, I really like Gaia, Gaia.com. They have all sorts of videos. Just like watch something that you know be a little out of your comfort zone and just kind of like sit with those feelings, maybe journal on them a little bit. Um, and just like know that you might be in a little awkward place where it's like cringe or weird to look into this kind of stuff, or you might feel like you're paving your own way and that's really uncomfortable. So like I said, the reason that I really started this podcast to be your own muse was because I really believe in like you being your own deity, not in a way that like you have to, you know, find a, like become a cult leader or anything like that. Because I can tell you, like, I have no desire to become a cult leader because like, honestly, I am just a channel. I'm just a vessel. I'm just a teacher. Um, because like, man, I mean, I remember there was this one like a spiritual thought leader that I was following who just like started to make way too many um, references to her being Jesus. Like she just made so much, like it just felt like she really thought that she was God for a minute. And like literally in her work, she made like a lot of references to her being Jesus. And like, it was kind of a mess. Like I had to get out of there. <laughs> um, but also like, don't let it hold you back. So like I said, um, Go places where you are in control. Don't sign anything if you're not ready. Don't put down tons of money if you don't feel like your gut is telling you yes. Um, go places where you're completely in control. So if there's like circles, like um, prayer circles, women's circles, um, whatever you want to call them, um, where you can leave at any point um, and just like kind of recollect. Like I know that I think I left my first uh, like prayer circle because I cried. Um like read a book and just kind of go at it with your own pace. But I wouldn't recommend that you like, I would strongly recommend against actually uh, like abandoning mission. There's a couple books that I can recommend. I really like um, by Rebecca Campbell. Um, she's very, very spiritual. Um, I recommend the books rise sister rise or light is the new black. Those are great places to get started. Um, and they're books. I mean, like you can put them down and you feel like it's too much because what's really important is that you have that aut autonomy and also this podcast, like this podcast is made for that person who just like trying to get back into spirituality and, um, feels like they need to start over. Like they need a fresh slate. And like what I'm really advocating for here is like, you are your own muse, right? Like you are your own deity. You are your own master. You are your own teacher. You are your own God. Um, but of course we always check ourselves and make sure that like we don't, um, become assholes, right? That's not what this is about. Um, so that's all that I have for you. I will um, mention the books that I recommended and the website in the show notes. Um, I hope that this really helped you. I love hearing from you guys. You can email me or you can um, DM me on Instagram at Funky Aphrodite. Um, this, this episode really just felt like the, the, the meat of the work I do. Um, and we absolutely like cannot talk about being our amused until we address religious trauma. So thank you so much for hanging out with me, guys. If um, this episode resonated with you or if you know somebody who needs to hear it, please share this with a friend. I love it when you guys do that. Um, it helps me grow and it helps me get this message out. And, and ultimately, I just want to make an impact and just turn my story into something impactful for somebody else. So thank you guys so much for being along with me. Uh, until next time. Mwah.